We'd like to think we're the dominant species on this planet, that there isn't an animal more intelligent or advanced than us. To an extent, that may be true, but it's important to remember that there are those creatures who live alongside us in nature who are just as dangerous and deadly as any human can be. Take any of the species of giant cats, for example, which have, on occasion, attacked and killed humans who, whether intentionally or not, strayed into their territory. Lesser primates, too, particularly chimpanzees, have been known for demonstrating extreme violence and even carrying out murder against each other. In short, humans aren't the only dangerous creatures as far as the animal kingdom is concerned, and on occasion, a beast or wild animal terrorizes us and makes us realize that we aren't, in fact, on top of the proverbial food chain. Perhaps the most famous instance of this took place nearly 300 years ago in south-central France, when a ferocious creature wreaked havoc in the former province of Gévaudan, now Lozère and part of Haute-Loire. Dubbed simply as the Beast of Gévaudan, said creature was purported to be of enormous size and capable of swallowing a human whole. In a three-year period between 1764 and 1767, several attacks against Gévaudan's citizenry were carried out by the beast, resulting in anywhere from 100 to over 600 victims. The exact number remains unknown. Of these, many were killed, with countless others injured. To this day, however, there's some ongoing debate as to what exactly the beast of Gévaudan was. Was it some kind of freakishly large species of wolf left over from an earlier time period? Or was it something else entirely? Something that quite possibly can't be explained by modern science. I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and welcome to episode 3 of this spooktacular October series, right here on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. It all began on a bright, warm, sunny day in the summer of 1764 near the town of Langogne in the eastern part of Gévaudan province. A young lady, Marie-Jeanne Vallée, was tending to her herd of cattle on the edge of the adjacent Mercois forest, as she had done several times before. As the animals grazed peacefully, a growling sound nearby caught her attention, and she soon found herself face to face with what she later described as, quote, like a wolf, yet not a wolf, unquote, coming straight towards her. Luckily, however, the bulls in her herd charged the animal, keeping it a safe distance from both her and the cows. When the creature made a second attempt to attack her, the bulls once again rose to the occasion, chasing it away for good. Physically unscathed but visibly shaken, she reported the encounter to officials in Langogne, making it the first recorded sighting of what would become known as the Beast of Gévaudan. Shortly after this initial encounter, tragedy struck when a 14-year-old girl named Jeanne Boulet was killed while tending to her flock of sheep near her home in the village of Les Oubacs. Naturally, this caused quite a stir and set the entire region on edge. After all, Valet had been spared while Boulet hadn't been as fortunate. Following the teenager's demise, reports began spilling in of other encounters and attacks with the creature, many of which proved lethal. One of the most terrifying involved a herdsman on October 8th that same year, when the creature, just hours after stalking and killing another hapless victim, reappeared with the intent of slaughtering said herdsman and some of his cattle. Luckily for him, however, hunters caught up with the beast and used their muskets to shoot the animal, but to no avail. The herdsman survived, but reports that the creature was invincible began circulating among the populace, adding fuel to the flames of fear that already gripped the countryside. Initially, it seemed that lone women and children were the targets, but several lone men, beginning with the aforementioned herdsmen, too soon fell prey to the beast's seemingly voracious appetite. Those victims who had been slaughtered all suffered similar gruesome fates. They had been partially eaten by the animal, and many had had their throats ripped out. Those who escaped and or lived to tell the tale, much like Valet herself, told of a large, wolf-like creature that didn't appear to be entirely wolf. 
the unsettlingly increasing number of attacks had, by December that year, caused the public of Gévaudan to conclude that a pack of creatures was responsible, as they felt that one lone wolf, pun definitely intended, was incapable of causing such mayhem on its own. Then, on January 12, 1765, after countless attacks on lone victims, a group of children encountered the beast. That morning, ten-year-old Jacques Portefeuille and seven of his friends, all of whom ranged from eight to twelve years of age, had ventured into a nearby wood to go play. No sooner had they entered the shaded forest did the creature emerge, snarling and baring its teeth as it likely had done to all the previous victims. The kids, though afraid, stayed close together, and ultimately managed to fend it off with sticks and twigs. It was this attack that reached the court of then-monarch Louis XV, who, after rewarding a sum of 300 livres de portefeuille and an additional 350 to be shared amongst his companions, issued a proclamation stating that the government would intervene to help hunt and kill the beast. The king dispatched a regiment of dragoons, that is, mounted infantrymen who rode on horseback for travel but dismounted for battle, to the Gévaudan area to track down the creature. Led by First Captain Duhamel, he placed, on the monarch's orders, a 6,000 livres bounty on its head. Duhamel's first order of business was to gain the cooperation and aid of the local farmers and herders. But this was easier said than done, as both the locals and Duhamel's men proved somewhat incompetent when it came to tracking down and hunting the beast. The king had no choice but to recall the first captain back to his headquarters, and, instead, employed two professional wolf hunters, a father and son team comprised of one Jean-Charles-Marc-Antoine Vomez-le-Deneval, what a name, and his son Jean-Francois to finish the job. The pair arrived in Gévaudan province on February 17, 1765, equipped with eight bloodhounds, and, over the course of the ensuing four months, employed stealth tactics and techniques to track and kill the region's native species of Eurasian wolf, one of which they believed to be the culprit behind the attacks. But when said attacks continued, they too were replaced, this time by the king's own gun-bearer and lieutenant of the hunt, François-Antoine, who arrived on June 22nd. Over the course of three months, the citizens of Gévaudan waited with bated breath for word of the creature's capture or death. In the meantime, a handful of new attacks took place, only adding to the tension. Then, on September 20th, word finally reached them that Antoine had shot and killed a 2.6-foot, 80-centimeter-tall, 5-foot-7-inch, 1.7-meter-long, 130-pound, 60-kilogram wolf in nearby Abbé de Chaz. Nicknamed Le Loup du Chaz, or the Wolf of Chaz, Antoine stated upon his return that, quote, We declare by the present report signed from our hand, we never saw a wolf that could be compared to this one. Hence we believe this could be the fearsome beast that caused so much damage, unquote. The aforementioned stats and measurements speak for themselves. It was, indeed, a large wolf, larger than most in the region, and those victims who'd survived their encounters with it confirmed that it was, in fact, the very same creature. So it was that the beast of Gévaudan was stuffed and taken to the Palace of Versailles in Paris, where it was displayed in Louis XV's court, and Antoine was lauded a hero. Were this a work of fiction, this would be the ideal ending to the story. After all, who doesn't love a happy ending? The beast at last had been defeated, the citizens of Gévaudan returned to their normal lives and routines, and Antoine became a celebrated hero throughout France. And they all lived happily ever after. Right? Well, not exactly. As we all know, and as the old saying goes, truth is stranger than fiction, and it's an adage that certainly applies to this creepy and curious tale. Over three months after Antoine's victory over the beast, a new attack was reported when two boys, aged six and twelve respectively, were attacked by another wolf-like creature, with the younger almost being whisked away until the older fended the animal off. As you could imagine, this raised concerns amongst the citizenry of Gévaudan. After all, if Antoine had defeated the beast three months prior, then what was this new threat lurking about? 
Subsequent attacks against farmers, shepherds, and herdsmen were quick to establish rumors that the beast was, in fact, still alive. However, upon eyewitnesses' closer inspection of the animal's behavior, they noticed how this creature didn't shy away from cattle as the previous one had. Could there be two beasts stalking the fields and woods of Gévaudan? The public shuddered to entertain such a notion. But when a sudden onslaught of attacks took place in early June of 1767, they knew that something had to be done. Initially, they turned once more to the royal court, who ultimately dismissed these new attacks, firmly stating that Antoine had killed the beast nearly two years prior. What could they do? To whom could they turn to quell their fears? The answer came in the form of a local hunter and innkeeper named Jean Chastel. Concerned for the citizens' safety and fearing further attacks, a local nobleman, the Marquis d'Apchier, organized a hunt that included volunteers from around the region. Chastel was one of them. Arming himself with a musket, he disembarked with the hunting party on the morning of June 19, 1767. The destination was the slopes of a nearby mountain known as Mont Mouché. No sooner had the group arrived did Chastel spot movement out of the corner of his eye. It was a larger-than-average wolf, and, based upon eyewitness accounts and survivors' descriptions, the culprit behind the recent attacks. Aiming his musket at the creature, he unloaded his rounds into it, killing it in the process. With the animal having been defeated at last, not only was it too stuffed, this time by a local surgeon named Dr. Boulanger, and put on display in the Marquis' castle, but the attacks came to an abrupt halt, restoring peace and a sense of relief to the region. Now that you know the entire story of the Beast of Gévaudan, you're probably wondering as to the identity of the creature, or creatures, responsible for these ghastly attacks. Since the 18th century, zoologists and historians alike have speculated as to what the mysterious animals could have been. After all, at the height of the bloodshed between 1764 and 1767, local superstition and folklore told of strange, supernatural creatures that had roamed the area for centuries, hungry for the taste of human blood and flesh. Then contemporary accounts claimed anything from shapeshifters and werewolves, the latter of which are also known as lycanthropes, or people who are transformed into animals against their will, specifically under the full moon, to demons and Satan himself. Most recently, however, said cryptids and supernatural entities have been ruled out in favor of the aforementioned Eurasian variety of wolves, which were and still are common in the region. But what of the massive size of the beasts, you might ask? Let's not forget that each and every account of an encounter with the creature was quick to point out its incredible size, which was considerably larger than the average wolf. Modern historians chalk this up to public hysteria, which, as you'll remember from last week's episode, often causes people to see or believe things that aren't real. In other words, the animals the survivors of these attacks witnessed were none other than the species of Eurasian wolf native to the area. According to several reports from across Europe in the 18th century, wolf attacks weren't just common at the time, but also a serious problem. In fact, in 1765, while the supposed beast of Gévaudan terrorized south-central France, another wolf, over a two-day period, killed four people in the town of Soissons, northeast of Paris, before a man tracked it down and killed it with a pitchfork. Between 1700 and 1800 alone, it's believed that tens of thousands of individuals lost their lives at the hands, or rather paws, of wolves throughout Europe, though these attacks were largely confined to rural areas, much like Gévaudan proper. Still, the story of the Beast of Gévaudan has entered the popular imagination, and has been elevated to the ranks of legendary status. In popular media, the creature has survived in both book and cinematic forms. The first mention of the creature in literature, for example, can be traced to Elie Berthet's 1858 gothic novel La Bête du Gévaudan, or simply The Beast of Gévaudan, in which the killings are attributed to both a wolf and a man, the latter of whom believes himself to be a werewolf. 
More recently, the popular MTV series Teen Wolf features a character whose ancestors purportedly slaughtered the creature in 18th century France. As of March this year, the popular streaming service Netflix is in talks with Bloomhouse Productions to adapt this historic event into a film. As you can see, the Beast of Gévaudan has found a comfortable home within the collective consciousness and shows no signs of leaving it anytime soon. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Despite scientists and historians quelling people's suspicions surrounding the Beast of Gévaudan, what do you really think was the creature who stalked the French countryside in the 18th century? Let me know in the comments section of my latest Instagram post. Just give me a follow at History Loves Company. That's History underscore Loves underscore Company. Remember, if you've enjoyed all of my episodes from the start and wish to support me to ensure continued content, please consider becoming a monthly supporter. Just visit anchor.fm slash historylovescompany and click the support button. From there, you'll be redirected to three monthly support plans that fit any budget. Listening and sharing help me in a big way as well, so please do so wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next Thursday for the final episode in the spooktacular October series as we take a look at a real haunted house, right here on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off. See you next time. <laughs>